Ryan, are you there? Hello, Michael. Hello, Internet. Hello, world. Hello, worldwide Internet. Welcome to another edition of the Buck and Sack Show. It is Tuesday night, April 14th. It's about 8.50 on the West Coast. I'm Michael Sachs in San Francisco. Ryan Buckley joining us here from Portland, Oregon. Ryan, we're about a month into the beginning of the start of the shutdown. Some states still aren't shut down. Um, but, you know, basically we've been quarantined for a month, you and I here on the West Coast. Um, mm -hmm. COVID-19, global pandemic, unbelievable shit show. How are you doing? <laughs> uh, all things considered, I am well. Had a fabulous Easter weekend um, where it was just uh, it was very relaxing. Cooked some great food. Uh, went on some long walks and hikes with the dog. Uh, I'm I'm here on a Tuesday night after uh, enjoying breakfast for dinner with a fresh beer in front of me. So uh, life is okay, all things considered. That's good. I'm going with a glass of water tonight. Um, mm. We're going to talk about some sobering topics, and I felt it was good to be at least a little bit sober. So, <laughs> um, you know, it's been two weeks since we talked. I feel like some things have changed, but not a lot. Um, I do feel like, uh, you know, I, I feel like the president, in my mind, is still the fucking worst public enemy number one. Um, we're going to get to him, but let's start out on a positive note. Um, we're going to do our good, bad, and interesting like we normally do. What's your good of the week? Uh, my good of the week is just people going the extra mile during this time. And I, I think that there have been um, some really wonderful kind of slivers of community goodness that I've seen uh, personally, locally, stories that I've heard, things you see uh, on Twitter, on Instagram. And I think we touched on this a little bit last week, but I was just particularly struck this week by, by both things, um, big and small. Like I was, I was on a walk over the weekend. I actually tweeted about this. Um, I was walking around a middle school that has, you know, been closed for a month. And, and uh, there's a, there's kind of a path that goes around the whole middle school perimeter. And on, uh, on the side of the path, right behind someone's backyard, behind a fence, there's this tree that had a bunch of little plastic baggies um, hanging in it with, like, by paper clips. And they all had, like, a three-by, or not even, yeah, I guess a, a three-by-five uh, note card in them. And inside, I, I, like, I walk up to them to look at it. There's two of these things hanging there. And it says, uh, actually, I'll, I'll, I'll pull it up because I have it right here. But um, cool. basically, it said, hi, I am the neighborhood knitter. <laughs> and, uh, and she is, now I, I got to find the actual, the actual note here. But it was wonderful. Um, hi, I'm a neighborhood quilter with a very large fabric stash. So I'm making people masks. Hand wash after each use and stay safe. And basically... She, this woman, just took it upon herself, or I guess it could be a man, but this person took it upon herself to make masks for people in her community in hopes they would grab them off the tree. And my wife and I did. We grabbed one. And uh, she left her email address, so we've sent her a thank you, and we'll probably try to actually connect in person at some point in time once all of this is over. But I, little acts like that and little things that I've seen before, I've seen... Um, friends who have had both birthdays and baby showers um, and birthdays for their kids that have been canceled or postponed. And I, I've seen things that their friends and family are doing for them as far as uh, coming by with balloons, streamers, honking horns, playing music, delivering gifts, 
um, you know, t- you know, having virtual um, birthday parties and uh, and singing happy birthday and things like that. And some of these things are a little bit more uh, have to be a little bit more intentional than others. But in general, I just I I'm, I'm inspired by some of the, the goodness and the spirit that I'm seeing uh, people extend towards each other. So that that is that is my good of the week. Good good of the week. Um, I honestly haven't seen a ton of that going down. Uh, we've been pretty isolated. I, I did get invited to a surprise birthday Zoom from my buddy Scott, loyal listener. Shout out, Scott. Happy, Happy birthday, Scott. birthday, Scott. My wife's 40th was on Saturday, and I surprised her uh, with a surprise Zoom. With nice. a bunch, you know, I don't know, 12 of her friends. She had no idea. That was awesome. Uh, those were the two things. The, another ra- random act of kindness, our neighbor. Uh, we've only been living in this rental house for... I don't what is it, three weeks now, uh, and one of our neighbors knocked on the door on Easter, and I guess she had seen my kids playing out in the backyard, two little boys, and she brought some like old toy. I guess it was her son's old cars, you know, some toy cars for them to play with. I thought that was super cool, and yeah, yeah, Kyle and Jake have enjoyed playing with those, and then they draw drew her some pictures of cars and delivered it to her today, so that was nice. Um, but I haven't seen a ton, but I have heard about more, you know, online and, and anecdotally from friends. So that is awesome. And yeah, honestly, I mean, I, I've got at least like I know of three different kids birthdays, one of my friends birthdays and one of my friends baby showers um, that friends really kind of went above and beyond for. So that plus kind of the, the random act of goodness of like this, this woman in my neighborhood uh, deciding that she was just going to make masks for people she doesn't know uh, was super cool. Very cool. Um my good of the week, I'm just going to kind of play on what I played on two weeks ago and, and just appreciation and gratitude. I, I feel as tough as this is, and it's very tough on a lot of levels, but inside my house, knock on wood, things are pretty good. You know, we're healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife and I are, are trying our hardest to balance the working from home and being full-time parents and also try to teach our kids a little bit and, you know, get them out of the house and play. Uh, today was a beautiful day here in San Francisco, low 70s. Uh, I took my oldest to the playground. We played lacrosse and basketball. And then I've taught him how to play horse here in the last week. So we had a really good trick shot game of horse out in the backyard before dinner. And just doing things like that. And the extra time that I'm getting to spend with my wife and kids. I mean, I think that's my biggest good of the week. And, and you know, uh, it's very challenging to balance all this. I don't, you know, kids are supposed to be around other kids. Uh, I'm supposed to be around other people my age. That's just human or social humans or social beings. I think that's one of the hardest parts of this. Uh, as somebody, you know, who hasn't gotten sick and who hasn't lost his job, you know, my hearts go out to those that have because if I had gotten sick or I had lost my job, I, things wouldn't be so good and it wouldn't just be challenging, it would be something entirely different. So you know, I'm one of the lucky ones at this point. You are too. I mean, I'm lucky in many ways, but I'm just trying to be appreciative for the many mm-hmm. good things in my life. Sure, a lot's been taken away. Uh, a lot is demanded of my time. You know, I don't have nearly as much free time. I don't have nearly as many fun things going on in my life or things necessarily to quote unquote, <coughs> excuse me, look forward to. But, you know, we're all in the same boat when it comes to that. And, you just kind of kind of suck it up and sacrifice for the common good and not let those things that have been taken away from you bother you 
as much. And sometimes it's hard. And, and I certainly go through periods where, you know, those things do creep and I do get the mm-hmm. fear and I do start to worry about the future and where all of this is going. And we're going to talk about that. But, you know, when I can stay in the moment and just be thankful for what I've got going on, you know, I think that's a powerful lesson. And it's one that I certainly hope and expect to carry into the rest of my life, you know, and, and I think there's a lot of talk about when this is over. You know, I'm not sure it's ever going to really be over. You know, I, I don't, you know, it's going to eventually, the virus isn't going to be here. But I think that the impact from, in a lot of ways, is going to last yeah. a really long time. And, and mm-hmm. I think that I am going to just try to take the, the gratitude, the thankfulness, and, and just look, finding joy in the little things uh, with me for the rest of my life. Because I think they're really important lessons no matter what's going on in your life or, or in the world in general. So I guess that's my good of the week internally. Uh, externally, you know, I, I don't think things are going on outside my house nearly as good as they're going on inside. I see a lot of problems. I see a lot of long-term problems, short-term problems, medium-term problems, political problems, societal problems, economic problems, health problems, a lot of fucking problems, Ryan. <laughs> everywhere you look but but my my good of the week is some of this these new state alliances that we're hearing you know there's one between our two states and Oregon where the governors mm-hmm. have come together there's one led by uh, Governor Cuomo in New York the northeastern a lot of the northeastern states um, and you know we can discuss why they're doing it but this is something we haven't seen in our lifetime and I've been reading a little bit about it how this almost harkens back to the Revolutionary War, Civil War times, where where states bond, you know, bound together to to hoard resources, to hoard ideas, to try to protect themselves from other enemies. Um, <laughs> it, it feels as though we're creating a new United States. We're, we're uniting new states of America. It, it, it's pretty wild, and, and yeah. I think that by and large, the the alliances that I see are good ones. Uh, they seem to be led by some of the best leaders that we've seen emerge. And, you know, we, we did, we're going to talk about some really bad leadership that we've seen, but I think we've seen some really good leadership from governors, from mayors, from, from city and state officials, from people that I think in a lot of ways have been written off for better or for worse. Uh, you know, when was the last time anybody really in the public sphere talked about a governor, particularly one that wasn't in your own state? And I mm-hmm. think that that is... Uh, uh, nothing but a positive because this country is dying, literally dying for leadership on any level. And Mm -hmm. and the fact that we are getting what appears to be some level of good leadership, I'm not at a point where I'm willing to say it's just fucking phenomenal and outstanding and we ought to make Gavin Newsom or Jay Inslee or, or Andrew Cuomo king forever, but it's been pretty good. And, uh, you know, and I think that they've stepped up in some ways, uh, we'll see how it goes from here, but but you know, so far so good on some of these state and local level fronts. And so, you know, at, at a day, you know, I look at it like this: if I can get one, just one piece of positive news every day, I'll take that at this point. And okay. and, and and I'll go to bed happy and and try to just think about that and push the other shit river aside. And, you know, just kind of go from there. Th- that's kind of where I'm at right now. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, 
I feel that. I try to look for the positives as well, but uh, some of the negatives and the things that crop up are, are pretty difficult to ignore. Well, why don't you let us in on what some of those things are, Ryan? <laughs> What's your bad of the week? Uh, my bad of the week mostly stems from all things that came out of the White House press briefing on Monday. Um, there was... Yesterday. Yes, correct. Yesterday... Um, if for the for us right now in real time Monday if you're listening later in the week um, mm-hmm. but after basically things started rumbling I think actually as early as Sunday night or maybe it was even Saturday that uh, President Trump was none too pleased with the comments of Dr. Fauci about how we could have um, prevented many deaths had we reacted more quickly uh, as a, as a country and essentially as an administration. Uh, he didn't say that outright, but that's kind of how it was taken. And it was taken by some as a condemnation of Trump from this, uh, this disease control doctor. And, and basically there were reports that uh, Trump was getting fed up with Fauci. He was tired of either being defied by him or uh, the truth telling that Fauci was doing and coming to clean up after uh, President Trump had been at the podium. Um, and I, I swear to God, if, if we lose Fauci, I'm going to lose it because that feels like the only person I, I shouldn't say the only person, but it, it is the person for me that I kind of look to every single day. Um, the only let, let's it's the only person from that for the, of the people who stand up there on uh, in those briefings. That's the person who's who I want to get information from most consistently. Uh, and if. And we've seen the way that the president just jettisons people he doesn't like for what they say. And uh, that scares me a little bit. But the president came out um, to basically, instead of addressing uh, the <laughs> the weekend that was and the continually increasing numbers of cases and deaths, essentially played a campaign or hype video for himself talking about how great he'd done with all of this. Um, went on to be questioned about what he did during the month of February between the time he found out in January and March when the shutdown happened. Uh, Didn't have any answers for that. And in fact, embarrassed himself in the way he went after a CBS reporter. Uh, On top of that, Fauci got up there and and felt a need to clarify his comments from uh, just prior to the weekend. And he had to be asked by press if he had been made to clarify those comments from President Trump, to which he essentially uh, declines to answer. I mean, the whole thing is appalling. And then it essentially finished with the president saying that his authority is total. And whether that is a misunderstanding of the con- Constitution or just total defiance of it, that ain't true. The authority is not total. And just because of the severity of the situation, you don't gain more power and control. He seems to think that that is... Uh, or I guess that everything is up to him. He's saying that he can reopen America, which he never shut down in the first place. Um, it, it was it was left to the gov- to the governors initially. It will still be left to the governors uh, from this point forward. And uh, whatever his anger um, stemmed from, uh, it, it was an appalling display of leadership that focused entirely on essentially clearing his name of any wrongdoing and not focusing on any of the facts of the serious crisis that we remain in. Yeah. I mean, 
you, you hit on to what to me is just the very tip of the iceberg. Yeah, and there, there's a lot more, but those there's were a lot kind of more. The, 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 and the, the, the cliff, the, the bullet points for me. You know, I again, and I, I said this two weeks ago. And I do want to say this before you get, get too far. <laughs> I want to say this about my comments, and I that I I don't understand totally how his supporters are still supporting all of that stuff that was just chronicled. I, I can even get to a certain point. Um, you know, if you if you generally associate with the Republican Party, you generally associate with fiscal and conser- uh, like uh, fiscally conservative and and socially conservative politics. I can I can understand all of that, but but amidst this, uh, to look at something that doesn't care about whether you are voting red, voting blue, um, doesn't care your your skin color, your bank account numbers, uh, anything like that, a, a disease that has absolutely no discretion as to who it takes out, other than maybe the elderly, uh, the fact that this seeming ineptitude has led to many, many thousands more deaths than it's needed to, and yet there are still these staunch and ardent supporters that either, one, say he's, he is doing great, or two, say that it's a made-up hoax. And both of those things are, are, are hard for me to believe at this point. Yeah. Um, agree with all that. And, and I want to say, as I said two weeks ago, I do lean left politically. I, I wouldn't say I'm extremely liberal. You know, like so many others, there's shades of gray on a lot of different issues for me. Um, but when it comes to the topic of Donald Trump as the president of the United States, it's very black and white. And I wish that I could sit here and say that our president was throwing, uh, showing tremendous leadership during this incredible crisis that we're going to if I felt like he was doing any square close to a good job, I would say it, and I would say it gladly, and, and I would admit I'd that I would... I'd shout it from the mountaintop. I would admit that I was wrong about him yeah, for the last I, three years. I would do that, Ryan. It but, isn't about being right. It's about being safe and getting the job done right, and, and that's doing all a good I care job about. And showing yeah, yeah. tremendous leadership and trying to bring the country together. And he's doing the total opposite of that, any hope of that happening is lost and gone forever. Two weeks ago, I was somewhat, I guess, optimistic that that might happen. Now it's very clear that it's not. But, Ryan, to those who have been following his presidency, this is the same stuff he's been doing since day one. He makes it all about himself. Everything is political. It's him against anybody who says anything bad against him. If you say anything bad against him and you work in any capacity where he can fire you, he fires you. I mean, look at the trail of people that he's either fired or forced out. They all have one thing in common, and that is that they said something publicly or privately that he didn't like. And to me, mm-hmm. that is the, the markings of a dictator and just an extreme, maniacal narcissist that can't handle the truth. He lies constantly. I mean, I've been at a point for a while now where basically if he says something that's a lie, I believe the complete opposite to be true. So, so much of what he says is propaganda, particularly when it comes to his attacks, repeated, repeated daily attacks on the press in this country. You know, a lot of it bothers me, but I've gotten to the point now where I think this bothers me the most. Because when you talk about how people can still support him, 
it's all about the media and the message. Because you've got half the country that's watching Fox News and reading Breitbart. And I have been following these outlets now for three years against my better judgment because so much of what they write makes me fucking sick because it's so not true and it's so political and it's so weaponized. But over the course of the last month, I've been particularly keen on Twitter of following as, you know, really closely what the right is saying, what they're thinking. Because I think that generally in life, Ryan, the truth is always somewhere in the middle. Yep. Always. And so, yep. you know, I don't have all the answers here. I don't think anybody does. While I am left-leaning, I certainly, I don't think that the Democrats, certainly at a national level, have done much of fucking anything. Uh, mm -hmm. At state and local levels, I think it's been a little bit better. But again, I don't think that it, this is a really tough problem to solve. We're in the fucking shit. And people, I generally think our leaders are trying to do what's right or trying to do what's best. We can have reasonable disagreements. Reasonable people can disagree. But the, but, but the president is not handling this well at all. And, and his attacks on the press are ridiculous. He's, what he's trying to do is, is completely you know, make CNN, uh, you know, these outlets that he terms liberal. And what they really are is they're the ones that are leading the outcry against him and are telling some shade of the truth about him. And he goes out of his way every day to discredit them. And he calls them fake news and they're liars and the, the, the enemy of the American people. The enemy of the American people is Donald Trump, period. That's it. Well, the enemy of the American people is anyone who defies the truth or leads the nation astray from the truth, which is what's happening right now. Yeah, and, and, and this latest reporting by the New York Times, Washington Post, and Axios, three separate articles about how people, even you know Peter Navarro, his chief economic policy, or policy advisor, you know, lots of people within his cabinet and his administration in the months of both January and February told him that he was playing this all wrong, that he needed to be more honest with the American people about what could happen. He needed to do a better job of preparing our, our institutions, you know, the CDC, uh, about masks and tests and, and hospital beds and ventilators. They could have done a much better job and all that. Now, if you believe the reporting, and, he, and I do believe the reporting, I, you know, who knows if it's all true, you know, who's to say? But when you've got three separate outlets basically reporting the same thing, you know, that tells me, one, that it's probably true, and two, he's got a leaky White, he's got a leaky white House around him. He's mm -hmm. had a leaky White House for his entire presidency, and that's because most of the people around him fear him and, and, and see that he's doing bad things for the country, and that's why they leak it to the press. If they were happy with what he was doing, they'd be unified, just like yep. any other organization. Right. So to me, the, the reporting's right. And then he goes out of his way to to rip CNN and MSNBC and ABC and CBS and the New York Times and the Washington Post and the L.A. Times. You know how all of them are lying. And he's telling the truth. If you listen right. to him and, 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 you know, maybe Fox News is telling the truth. But then he ripped Chris Wallace the other day for going against him. So any time anyone on Fox News says something that he doesn't like, they're fake news too. So anybody that disagrees with him is the enemy of the American people and is fake news. And he's, you know, everything he says we're supposed to believe. Well, to me, if you're still buying that line, the joke's on you. 
I don't know what to tell you. You're either paying attention to the wrong source or you just hate the Democrat so much that you just, it doesn't even matter. You're, you're comparing everything that Trump does to what Obama or Clinton uh, did, who, you, who a lot of people hate. You know, there's a yeah. lot of I also, I think there is an element, too, to people basically who now have a conservative-leaning president who are so fearful of giving that up that they don't care what consequences the current regime comes with. Yeah, I guess, um, and I'm I don't know why I'm that guessing. is. I don't know what they think is going to happen to our country if Democrats suddenly take the White House back. But, like, it, it seems like it's almost more fear of that than it is support of this. You know I what I mean? I agree with that. I think that that's a huge part of it. And I can't totally get my head around it. I'm not and I don't a, get why. I don't totally get why. I mean, I, I get the opposing political views, but I don't, you know, the, the country doesn't change overnight. It certainly doesn't change over one presidency. Um, not in, I mean, it, the country changes, but there are, as far as policy is concerned and the, and the amount of levels things have to get through, like society doesn't generally change a whole lot because of one president's individual actions. Uh, I mean, unless you're talking about a response to something like this. Yeah, and you know, and I actually, like I said, I've been going, trying to follow it, as many alternate voices from my own, and I actually think it's really healthy for people mm -hmm. to do that, because I think the echo chamber and the confirmation bias, people get so locked in to their own way of thinking, and then you get to where we're at here, where you've basically got two different countries, and I think that's, that's very unhealthy for, for individuals and as a whole, and I actually have, you know, started following a, a very conservative Republican on Twitter, uh, not a, a journalist or anything, just a private citizen. And we now follow each other. And we actually had a really nice Twitter DM back and forth uh, late last week. And, and I told him what I didn't like about the president. And I asked him to tell me all the things that he does like. And then once we sort of put that out there in an honest and open way, you know, I was like, you know, I can sort of see how you might think some of these things are good, and particularly pre-virus, you know, uh, things like, while I don't personally agree, but things like immigration reform, things like uh, judicial appointees, uh, certainly the economy, some, some deregulation that helped the economy. I basically am not in support of any of those things, but I can see where someone would be, and I'm willing to understand and accept that. And, and, and a lot of what really does make America great are you know, various viewpoints and various backgrounds and various nationalities and ethnicities. But if you're not willing to sort of accept any of that, and, and it's just got to be all for you all the time, I don't really have any tolerance for that. And again, what I want is leadership that leads us back to a place of prosperity economically and health-wise. You know, I want the country to be in a much better place than it's been. You know, did Trump handle the initial response wrong? I don't think there's any doubt. You know, no, there's no doubt no. at this point. I can't keep dwelling on that. I'm more interested in what we're going to do now. And to that point, I don't think that, you know, it's not, I don't think he hasn't offered any sort of plan for it at all. You know, he, he's bickering back and forth as, you know, he's got total authority. Well, actually, the governors have authority to open up the states. And to me, all this talk that's mainly coming from him and is sort of trickling into the rest of America about, quote, reopening the economy, that to me is total nonsense. It's just bullshit. Like, the economy, you know, Trump could say today, 
all the restaurants are open and everybody needs to go back to work. Okay, fine. That's going to quote unquote reopen the economy. But are people going to feel safe to go out to eat? Well, no. and, what, and then what if we get a second spike, which has been feared all along, and we have to reshut everything down and wait for longer? That I mean, that, that it that's that is one step forward, two steps back. It doesn't that, that yeah. you, you, you got to be in a healthy enough place to do that in the first place. You got to put some restrictions, some parameters, and have some guidance for all these businesses what they're going to do to make make the environment safe enough to yeah. to be able to do this. And none of that's out there yet. Yeah, and and so that so I feel like we're that's a long kind of my interesting of the week. Yeah, we're, we're, let's yeah, transition like into way. that. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. And and I'm really focused on this quote unquote second phase of of fighting this virus. You know, I felt like after the initial shock of you know you saw the numbers that were out there, a million to two a million Americans could die, and and now a lot of conservatives are pointing to that as you know propaganda and they're blaming the media and all that that was is that was based on the assumption that we weren't going to do anything about it and and at the time our country wasn't doing anything about it right yeah since we have done something about it and so i think that this this argument that i see mostly coming from conservatives that you know that the those initial numbers were a hoax or even the 500,000 was a hoax it wasn't real it was meant to scare us you know you see things online about the the media the liberal media's rooting for more deaths and things like that i see Laura Ingram of Fox and tweeting mm-hmm. about that kind of shit all the time to me that's like the most dangerous bullshit that you can put out there nobody's fucking rooting for more deaths or or for more economic Ruin. I mean, everybody who works for these media companies is going to benefit from this thing going away for the most part, right? Like, they don't, to me, to even debate that is ludicrous. So, you know, I'm focused on where we're at health wise. I think we've done a, a better job than I expected health wise in flattening the curve. The numbers are optimistic. We did have our largest death count to date today. Some of that might be skewed because it's on a Tuesday. The numbers tend to be high on a Tuesday. But generally speaking, as a nation and also in certain pockets, mainly the West Coast, things are looking good. But I don't think that we're at a point health-wise where we can, quote-unquote, reopen the economy. And really, what does that even mean? We have to make it so that people feel safe to leave their house. And how do we do that? And I think that's the interesting thing to me. Uh, You know, I've read a lot about it. It seems like we, we, number one, we need to continue the social distancing probably for at least another month, at least, to make sure that we don't have a big second wave here coming. Because the second wave would just crush people's spirits, and it would crush the economy even more. So we Right. Need to people think that. it's bad now. It'll be so much worse emotionally if we have to go through this a second it time. It really will. I, I, we're in agreement on that. And then we need more testing. I mean, our country has been behind the testing game from the beginning. It's getting better. It's not anywhere near where it needs to be. We need to increase our testing. We need more of the, the, the finger prick serology test where it's almost like a pregnancy test. You drop your blood. You see if you're negative or positive or if you're, you're negative but you already had it and you have the antibodies. This is the study. You know, that's the type of test that Major League Baseball announced they're going to take today. I think we need a lot more of that. And then we need a way to sort of trace. And, and that's where it gets really weird and really tricky. I don't know how much you've read about it, but, you know, there's these different ideas out there that Amazon and Google, or I'm sorry, Apple and Google are going to band together and build this app 
you know, using current like map technology where you can sort of look on your phone and see if you're near somebody who's tested positive in the last two weeks or whatever. And, you know, and then you can, we can sort of try to start quarantining people that have it and let most people back out into public. To me, that seems really kind of invasive on your privacy. I'm willing to try it if, if it's going to get us back out into public, but I don't know how we, we enforce it. I don't know how we institute it. I don't know who's going to pay for it all. It just seems like a, a just an, an enormous hurdle for us to sort of get our heads around all of that as a nation. But we need, we need the, the testing more than anything. And then, you know, we need some sort of guidelines as to, you know, if this happens health-wise, maybe we can relax the restrictions this way. I mean, uh, Governor Newsom today in California released seven of guidelines of things that the state is going to look for on a, on a health basis, you know, to get us sort of back into schools and work and, and so forth, and, you know, some guidelines for restaurants and things like that. But to me, that's all fine and nice, but there's no timeline attached to it. It was a little more vague than I was hoping for. And that's why I feel like the news of doing it is a little bit preemptive because now everybody has gotten a taste and it's like people are starting to line up at the, at the entrance. Like, when can we get back? When can we get back? When can we get back? And as soon as they open the gates, people are going to want to sprint forward and, and the rule is going to be, please walk, don't run. And no one's going to be able to listen. Yeah. It, it's really tricky. It's really hard. I mean, We've got a really big country just in terms of size and population. Uh, we've detailed how divided we are ideologically and politically. So all of that just adds a layer of toughness to it. And then when you get just straight lies and political weaponizations every day from your supposed leader, it just adds fuel to an already raging fire. And, and none of it is good. And I would say that I'm generally pessimistic about how this is going to all play out. Mm -hmm. I don't think that we have it in us. Especially uh, when you see some of that reopen the country council. Yeah, the, the reopen the country council was not particularly encouraging. Um, you know, it's a flat out fucking joke. Let's call it what it is. It's just unbelievable. Like, you just, like, there's just nothing good that I can see coming out of the White House. But we, we continue to belabor that point. But, you know, I think that these governors really need to continue to take the ball and run with it. And hopefully other governors, you know, if, if, we, if this West Coast Alliance can show some really good things in terms of this second phase of what you need to do, and then other states with maybe less progressive leadership can see that it's working, I think that could be huge um, on a number of different levels. So I'm hopeful for that. I, I'm not terribly optimistic. I think that, you know, we're going to get through it, so to speak, but I think more people are going to die than need to. I think the economic turmoil is going to last longer than it needs to and probably should, but that's just kind of where we're at as a country. Like, you know, I, I don't know how much longer people can do the social distancing thing to the degree that we're doing it. I know that they're not even really taking it that seriously in certain pockets, that's disheartening, but they're going to ultimately pay the price for that, I think. And, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, there's, there's so many things on the economic front that are fucking scary. Uh, I mean, we can talk about sports if we want, but I just think that this is, I, I've come to grips with the fact that I think that this is going to go 
much longer. It's going to be much worse than I originally thought. I think everyone sort of feels that way. I think some people are coming to grips with it slower than others. Um, but I'm just going to kind of set my expectations pretty low here, and hopefully I'll be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, my and the thing is, for me, I think my expectations get lower the more we try to rush things back to normal. And uh, I understand why people are jonesing to get back to normal. We all want that. I un, and, and that's that's normal and that's human. But there needs to be a reality check for a lot of people that patience will be rewarded here, um, and that that you will be able to get back to a real normal much sooner if you're able to be patient in the interim. And, uh, and I just, I don't feel like I see enough of that sentiment yet. There's I feel very like, little, particularly and, from leadership. And that part scares me. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't, I, I get why there's an emphasis on reopening, but I think that planting that seed with everyone kind of goes, uh, I, I guess, fundamentally counter to being safe and, and, and protecting everyone. Um, and so I think it's, I don't know that it sends a mixed message. I think that you do need to lay the groundwork and the plans, but basically it was shouted from the mountaintop, we're going to reopen and there's no groundwork laid. And I think you need to tell people what the groundwork's going to be and then how it's going to, how it's going to be executed and then when all that's going to happen. Yep. Um, but that's, that's not the order we're going in here. And just some positivity and reassuring and, and, and some level of empathy and understanding and, and like, you know, Qualities that you sort of come to expect from leaders, you know, like mm -hmm. we've all worked, we, we've played sports, we've been around sports, we've worked for bosses that are good and bad. And, you know, I, I just can't see how anyone would want to work underneath the president of the United States. It, it just, it's a my way or the highway approach, and he doesn't seem to have the, the track record of success to carry himself in the way that he does. I mean... I I wonder a lot if it's pure just narcissism slash incompetence slash craziness. And I think in some in some ways sometimes it's it's career drive. It's it's wanting to be as high as you can possibly go at any cost, and that includes sacrificing morals. Uh, I, I think there are people that are so driven it doesn't matter to them how they get to the position they're in or who they're supporting to get there. They just want to be there. Um, I, I think that's a big component of it. I definitely think he's driven politically by re-election and, and playing to his big donors and the base that supports him and sort of ignoring everybody else. And, and yeah. that, to me, particularly now, there's no place for that. There's no time for that. And again, if a, if a Republican conservative leader was showing good leadership and making good decisions and telling the truth and being up front and showing us a path forward that makes some fucking level of sense that's a combination of economic concerns and health concerns. Because I'm tired of this, like, I see it online all the time, where it's like the right side is, is seems to be purely driven economically and says that the left, you know, doesn't care at all about, about money. And then the left is saying, you know, the right only cares about money and they don't care about people dying. I think that kind of rhetoric is dangerous, and I don't think that that's necessarily true. I think that and most, it's not where ninety percent of the country lives. Yeah, I think that most people want both. They want health, yes. and they want economics. Like that's just how we're wired as a country and as human beings. So 
Why can't we work together towards that goal and put the petty fucking differences aside and quit talking about what Obama did and what Clinton did and what Hillary Clinton would have done or what Joe Biden might do? Like, let's, you know, I, I'm seeing too much talk about the election, too. Like, November is way Did you see off. the press release of, from, from his 2020 campaign about how he's going to crush Joe Biden, how he's going to destroy him? I'm it's, like, really? Right now? What? I mean, we've got seven begin months, to, Ryan, to, until yeah. that fucking election. And, and you know, think about what wh everything we're talking about has basically happened in the past one month. I mean, we've got six more months, six Oof. times that long before this election. We need leadership now. We need action now. We need to figure it out fucking now so that we're not in, in the shithole here for two fucking years and that unemployment goes to 50%. And, and you know, it's just... It, it's such a hard problem to solve. And I do give Trump some leeway there. Like, he is not in an easy position. He, he No! At I, all. I, I wouldn't even begin to say that, like, he screwed up something that was supposed to be a layup. This was not a layup. This this is a full-blown, realistic crisis, and it would be challenging for anyone. For sure. But, but he's defied people with knowledge. He's ignored uh, things he's had. Anyways, we, we've chronicled all of this. And, it's and, it's, and, it's not know, because... And, it it was a it, it was something that he should have been able to handle well. There were bound to be missteps, but the 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 degree to which these missteps have occurred uh, is what's appalling. And he's only surrounding himself with yes men and people that will tell him that he's right. And you know the fact that his daughter and fucking son in law are two of the people on this council where you could go out and get like actual people that know what the fuck they're talking about in terms of economics or health. He brings fucking Ivanka and Kushner on board, just like he always does, because no one else wants to fucking work around him. So, you know, that, that, that to me, is it's a big problem and a reason for extreme pessimism. But, you know, I don't know what more to say. So, where do you think we go from here, man? I mean, like, what are you looking for? I guess we've talked about it a little bit. I mean, you, you want to talk about the sports angle? Because I think that's pretty fucking bleak, too. Um, yeah, well, I, I think there is a degree of uh, bleakness. Is that the word uh, yeah. when you make that announcement? Um, but, but also, I am encouraged in some respects. Um, the state of Oregon is—I mean, just on a personal note, state of Oregon is still has still has golf courses that are open, and uh, I'm going to go to one on Saturday for Good. a friend's for a friend's birthday, and uh, and and fully do the social distancing. We will not be renting carts. Uh, we'll all be walking uh, on our own, and we're gonna, you know, in invoke a ten-foot rule. Um, they have the places we're going have uh, have raised cups, so no one reaches into the hole. Uh, you just pick your ball up after it hits the side of the cup, and uh, and basically is a super safe way to get out and see people safe to say uh, face to face. I believe safely, and you know, not everyone necessarily believes. That, but I'll tell you what, I've had a lot closer encounters at the grocery store than I'm going to have when I go golfing on Saturday. Um, and, and that's not because yeah. I wasn't trying to be careful at the grocery store. I'm saying there's just enough space out there to truly be careful um, if you keep your wits about you and you make it a real priority. I'll, I've also, I, I golfed a couple weeks ago um, and I, I bought a second golf glove. I wear two now. I, 
<laughs> I don't, uh, and, and basically just don't touch my face the whole round. I bring a towel with me if I, if I got sweat or anything like that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you just, you take extra precaution and I think you can do it safely. So I, I, I think there's going to be some of that, uh, that people realize that's going to be some of the easing and some of the get back to business that I think is going to be possible. And golf may be legitimately the only thing with which you could do that. Um, I mean, I, I guess one of them, yeah, I mean, you know, you can go shoot hoops by yourself, but you can't play basketball again. Any, any team sport, any, uh, thing that anyone handles the same equipment is not going to work. So, uh, it, it may be, I mean, golf may be a standalone. And so maybe I'm a little bit too optimistic for the fact that that still, uh, exists as a possibility in, uh, my realm of, uh, activity and entertainment, but, I also think that there is, because of the money at stake and the resources at hand and the kind of the minds at hand who literally have nothing better to do right now than find uh, the best solutions to return to sports, I do think we're going to get back um, sooner than maybe I initially thought. And I don't think that means everyone, and it certainly doesn't mean with fans in the stands. And for me, that's what's going to be interesting is how we get back. Uh, to to playing sports that matter because uh, I'm not totally sure uh, which one is going to be back first. It sounds like maybe they want it to be Major League Baseball with the whole Arizona concept. Uh, I know that basketball wants to get back, but they're not going to force it, and football's kind of in a wait-and-see mode. Uh, at least the NFL is. I know there's talk now of college potentially either condensing or postponing their season to uh, as late as starting in February, but I'm I'm as interested. I think some of those things are gonna happen. I think you know we. I don't know how it's gonna go, but we saw baseball in I think it was Taiwan um, yesterday, yeah. and uh, and that 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 was happening. And I, I know that even you know there's some other places where they were planning to bring basketball back in China, and that's since been shut down. And um, I, I think it's unlikely that it happens quickly, but I don't think it's not happening at all this year. I think I think we will get some sports this year. How we get them is going to be what's interesting to me. I mean, I even saw in this Taiwanese baseball game, they had cardboard cutouts of fans in stands, and I don't think they were just doing it for the sake of the the players and making them feel like there were bodies there. But they had advertisements on them. But you wonder about like how valuable that is. Something like that's going to be because you better believe that people are still are going to, even if they can't go to games, they're going to want to watch live sports amidst all of this, especially if they can't do the other everyday things that they're used to, but the athletes are allowed to go back to play. So the ratings are going to be huge. Advertising dollars will also be huge. I think the leagues that get there first uh, have a huge financial incentive to do so because they will kind of have the command uh, they'll be able to command the attention of the entire sporting world. So uh, I think that there are lots of incentives to get back sooner than later. And I think there's a lot of brain power to make that happen. So I think it is going to happen um, sooner than later. But it's not going to be sports as we know it. I think in a lot of ways it's going to feel very different. I'm not sure what the atmosphere will be like, especially uh, when you expect to reach a crescendo in the playoffs. Like let's say the NBA is trying to – uh, reach the culmination of their season around Christmas and there's no fans there. I, I, I don't know how you do that or, or what that looks like and, and how different the game is. D- different sports will certainly be impacted differently. Uh, you know, golf is one of those sports where I, I largely think I can fully accept the results of those tournaments uh, that nobody's attending just because I think those are who those golfers are. But at the same time, 
you know, a, a basketball series where there aren't any road games potentially is, is a very bizarre thing to think of. So I'm really interested in, in, in how the, what the sports look like when they come back, because I, I do have a degree of confidence that they're coming back uh, relatively soon. Interesting. Um, good stuff to think about. I, you know, I don't know. I don't, I think that. And when I say relatively soon, I mean late summer, maybe, you know, I mean, I'm not talking like next month. Um, I know that there is a push for baseball to try to maybe get there by June one, but, uh, you know, I'm not expecting that. I don't expect that. I, if I had to bet right now, just to be brief, I don't think we see any more. I don't think we see any MLB in 2020. Hmm. And I don't think we see any NBA before the fall. I do think we're going to see close to, if not an entire full NFL season. And I'm not sure how that's going to look like as far as travel goes. They're going to have to... I think we're going to see pro golf very soon. Yeah, I think we'll see pro golf and possibly NASCAR. Mm -hmm. Um, Those would be the first things. Um, We're not going to see Kyle Larson. Um, (laughs) Nope. But that's a whole other thing. Um, you know, the NFL, you, I, yeah, you're saying you don't know what that's, I think play. NFL is going to play. Um, I don't know again, what it's going to look like. I don't think, you know, there, there seems to be a common thought out there that you were not going to see fans in the stands until there's a full vaccine. And I tend to agree with that. And I, you know, if you had told me a month ago that I wasn't going to get to see much, I mean, forget T. TV. If I wasn't going to be able to go to a single concert or sporting event until at earliest the fall of 2021, but not only that was going to happen, but I wouldn't even care. I mean, I couldn't have even imagined that. But that—that's honestly where I'm at. Like I do. I mean, I don't want to say I don't care, but to me, it's so far down the list of things that, that we need to see right now in terms of progress and, and both on the health and economic side. I really don't care. Um, I just don't. And, and you know, mm-hmm. if, if we don't see any fans in the stands for the fall of, August, of, of 2021, you know, that's not going to surprise me at all. You know, I think that we're doing, just on a general level, I think that there's too much, like, similar to the election. People are talking about the election too much. I think there's too much talk about this vaccine. I think that we need to figure out how to get back to at least some sort of of life well before then and and we talked about some ways to do that but i think there needs to be more focus on the short to middle term and not so much you know what's going to happen once we get a vaccine again if that makes sense and and i think that Mm -hmm. that's our biggest shortcoming as a society now and uh so having said that you hit on some activities that i think we should be striving towards you know outdoor activities like golf like tennis like Maybe basketball, uh, you know, maybe going out to a restaurant, maybe not. I mean, I don't know, going to the park, going to the beach. These are things that are kind of closed in a lot of places right now. My family and I, went, we went to try to hike in Sonoma for my wife's birthday on Saturday, and the trail in Sonoma was guarded by a police officer. To me, that's gone, it, it's, it's going too far. I mean, mm-hmm. you look at the health numbers, you look at the number of cases in the Bay Area, they're, they're, they're quite low. I understand social distancing. I certainly understand why, you know, you don't want to have big meetings, why you don't want to have sporting events, you don't want to have concerts. I mean, all of that makes all the sense of the world. 
but I think that we should be moving towards relaxing some of those restrictions and just letting people out in the house a little more. Make, letting people sort and of... that's really how it is in Oregon, Michael. I mean, like, I, there, there isn't, um, I mean, like, there are, for example, there's, like, about a mile from our house, uh, there is a public uh, nature reserve. It's basically a park uh, that hasn't, They've fully allowed like you know redwoods to grow and things like that, where there are all these little kind of like trails that go through there, and they've got signs up that say the park is open, but here are the guidelines. There yeah. you can't go to the dog park area. You can't touch anything. Uh, you know you can't. You know you need to keep your distance from people. Basically, they still allow people to to trust trust them to go out and do that safely, um, which which I really appreciate. Yeah. And and we've got some of that here. It seems to be more relaxed in the city than but I outside seen the city. That's like le- legitimately policed, like like that. Yeah. Um, and I just think that that's. I think the government, in some ways, has gone too far with some of those things. And and I I do understand why that why they're doing it. But I think that you know the more I read and the more I look at the health numbers, the real danger is the mass gatherings. Like we're, we're obviously going to have to avoid those. But I think we're—I don't think we're there yet. But I do think we're getting to where the government can relax some of these restrictions and maybe start to let some people back to work a little bit. But it's tricky. You don't want to have that second wave. You don't want to trust people to do the right thing too much because I think we saw that as recently as two weeks ago where people were going on spring break and you know even here in the Bay Area people were flooding the, the parks and the, and the beaches after the well the other thing shutdown. too Michael is that like I, I struggle with this daily in that I'm going to a radio studio is even when you're trying to be safe there's still the possibility for accidents like I, I like there are a lot of people who are going to go to jobs where there are shared equipment I share a radio operating board. I share a shared computer in the control room and I disinfect it before and after I'm there. I wear gloves when I'm there, but like, I can't also necessarily guarantee myself that I'm not going to touch something that someone else has touched and then later touch my face. You, you try to guard against these things, but even when you're trying to be completely safe, there there's still plenty of margin for error when everyone's trying their best. There is, but you know, at, and this is where I feel like I, I totally get the, the quote-unquote conservative viewpoint that we need to get the country back and running. Like, I do think that there's an argument, argument to be made that, look, it's a deadly disease. People are going to die. Like, that's where we're at. This is a global pandemic. You're not going to save everybody. You look at the numbers, they're primarily affecting, you know, we, we know the groups of people that they're affecting and generally speaking, they're not killing off healthy people in the prime of their lives. Certainly that there is some of that. Certainly if you get it, I, I know people that have gotten it. They say it's been terrible. But we just don't have the testing yet to really to, to, to have the full facts in front of us. And until we get those, I think it's sort of not intelligent to make these proclamations that, oh, you know, this was overblown or whatever. I just don't think we're at a point medically in, with science that we can tell. But I do understand why people, certainly in, in some parts of the country where they're not seeing a lot of, the, of, of people dying, are making those arguments. So I get it. I think, again, that reasonable minds can disagree. Uh, I don't know what the right answer is. I, I really don't. And, and, you know, that's why I sort of enjoy looking at it and reading about it and thinking about it and, and trying to figure out what the right answer is, and I think that debate is healthy. Um, but at the end of the day, I guess where I'm going to hang my hat is on the advice of doctors. You know, 
Like, I'm going to listen to them first and foremost and hope that my leaders are taking their advice above everything else because I think that that's probably the best way to go, at least now. Now, you know, if the numbers just, to, again, in the Bay Area, you know, I'm obviously focused on that. That's where I live. If the numbers continue to get better, the caseloads continue to drop here in San Francisco and the Bay Area in general, and we're sitting here on a month and, and no restrictions have been released, I'm going to say I think that's the wrong way to go. Like, I think you've got to get back to, to just, again, giving people something to look forward to or just a reward for good behavior more than anything else because I think that people are going to start to go crazy. Obviously, those who have lost their jobs are, are in a whole other boat, but you, you, you don't want it to get to where you've got rioting in the streets and just, you know, complete unrest and complete distrust of authority and I could certainly see that happening. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we've uh, we've we've plowed this ground thoroughly, but I largely agree with you. I mean, yeah. I, I think everything you're saying um, makes There's plenty just so of sense. There's so many things to take into account, I guess, and, and I guess my head just kind of goes wild with the whole thing. It's just such it's such a big problem, and and it's such a tricky thing to navigate the best way through it, and. And, and, you know, we're just at a stage where we're not really there yet on any level. And I think that that's probably the part that depresses me the most, I guess, is, is, is the best way to say it. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I think there, I, I certainly understand that. Um, and I think there's, they're going to be, uh, they're going to be a lot of, uh, kind of depressing sentiments like that, that, that still, crop up in the next uh, weeks and months ahead. But I also think that there, you know, you say you, you latch onto one piece of positive, positive news per day. And uh, I think we're going to be getting a lot more of those too. So I hope you're it's, right. Uh, what, what's your wild yeah. card? You got a wild card? Yeah. And I, I guess um, my, my wild card really is kind of selfish because it leads me to talk to something that I want to talk about. But Good. I'll ask you first, what are, <laughs> what are, um, when you, when you ask the, uh, the question in return, but, um, what what are things that are piquing your interest? I know you're not much of a TV watcher, so I want to know though. Being that maybe you, you ha I don't know if you have to a little bit more. You still have kids; you can get out uh, maybe and play with them a bunch. But are there things that you've turned to that you haven't uh, either been into before or been a fan of that you have taken a greater interest in? It, it could be on the television; it could be elsewhere in life. Yeah. But just uh, activities, or uh, but but I'm, I'm specifically wondering if you dove into any. Uh, documentaries, TV shows, uh, anything like that? Yeah, good question, and and this was going to be my wild card, too. Well, perfect. Um, Get right into it. Yeah, so since the Tiger King, I haven't really dove into oh, anything. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot we got into that two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, so since then, I haven't picked up much. I still have one episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm left that I'm saving nice. for, the, for the perfect time. But um, my wife and I have been talking about getting into Ozark, but we haven't. The one thing that I have done more of, you know, if I've got an hour after the kids go to bed before I fall asleep, but first of all, I need to get some more books. I, I've exhausted my mm -hmm. book supply. I need some more books. So I'm, I've got a couple books I'm going to order here pretty soon. But, and I keep dragging on that, and, and I should. But anyway, as far as TV goes, what I will do now uh, on the smart TV, you know, you can just pull up YouTube, and mm -hmm. I'll just start streaming concerts you know nice yeah uh, I've, I've, that's my go-to now uh 
And I also am a big fan of how a lot of these bands are starting to do, you know, like Fish every Tuesday is doing a show that they hadn't shown before in their archives. Radiohead is now starting to do the same thing. The Grateful Dead is starting to do the same thing now on Friday nights. Cool. Metallica is doing this on Monday. I certainly haven't watched all of this, but, you know, and then, you know, after it's on quote unquote live, they, they archive it and then you can watch it whenever you want. So I think all of that stuff is really cool. The same, I said this two weeks ago, you know, certain bands and musicians going to Instagram or Instagram live and playing like little shows there, right there that you can watch on their, on your phone or, or whatever, I think is super cool. In fact, I saw today that it, for the first time ever there, you're going to be able to uh, cast Instagram live from your phone to the smart TV. And I think that's a response to what I'm talking about now. You're just seeing, mm. like, even comedians, lots of people now are doing Instagram Lives that are kind of cool and special. And, and you know, you can ask questions. You know, I know Chipper Jones and, and Boog Skiambi have done a couple where they just talk about wherever, and you can ask them questions, just things like that. I think all of that stuff is positive. I think it's super cool. I'm into all of that. I mean, just, you know, some things that sports stations are doing. I, I'm not watching a lot, but I think it's cool. I mean... Uh, just today, MLB Network, uh, I guess today was Greg Maddox's birthday, and they they got Greg yeah. Maddox to tell him like his five favorite games or whatever, and, and they showed all five today, and he was live tweeting, and you can mm -hmm. ask him questions. I mean, things like yeah, that. Yeah, they did the same thing uh, up here last night. They played uh, the Blazers game five against the Thunder last year that Damian Hill Lillard hit the walk-off uh, three-pointer from like super deep, and they had Damian Lillard retweeting, or live-tweeting the entire game. So people kind of being able to relive moments is 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 uh, kind of a cool concept that I, I've I've not taken a huge part in, but I've seen, and I think it's a cool idea. I agree. I think all of that stuff is cool and positive. I'll throw one more out there, and then I'll let you take the floor. Uh, last week, I don't know when it was, uh, they got the the Syracuse 2003 National Championship basketball team together, and they all did a Zoom while they watched the game together that was also on CBS Sports Network. Cool. So that was really cool. I think you're going to start seeing a lot more of that in the sports mm -hmm. world. I mean, that's like a low-hanging fruit thing that's really cool for fans and players alike. So mm -hmm. I think you'll see more championship teams do things like that in the future. But w what are some of the things that uh, that you've been watching? Yeah, so uh, one that I've been watching, and I, I think I might have even mentioned this show, but I, I hadn't since – or at least since the last time I might have mentioned it, have, have gotten really into it. And uh, if you've ever been a fan of just Hard Knocks or the Hard Knocks style documentary, Netflix has a killer series called F1 Drive to Survive. And it is, uh, it's all about Formula One racing. And you, know, you and I both had the opportunity to uh, produce an auto racing show that, in, that included some uh, Formula One coverage. And uh, even back then, I, I don't want to say I took it for granted, but there was so much other stuff going on at work that I didn't commit a lot of time to uh, diving into the storylines and the things that were happening on the F1 circuit, maybe as much as I should have. And the way these teams are run are super fascinating. And I, I think that what's appealing to most people about a show like a Hard Knocks is not so much, you know, just the clapping of the pads. Um, or even like the inside of someone's house, which you could see on like a crib style show, but the meetings that people are having and the, and the discussions that they're having behind the scenes. And 
there is so much that is revealed uh, both strategically and about people's personalities uh, in this uh, F1 show that I- I've really um, kind of fallen in love with it and have have started kind of binging it. There's two full seasons of it. The first season, I believe, was the 2018 season of Formula One. And the second season, which came out early this year, uh, was the end of the, the 2019 season. And so even though I produced shows during that time period, or at least two years ago I did, uh, that included that like uh, that circuit and that and what was going on uh, amongst those races, I don't. I don't remember them well enough that uh, I knew any of the storylines. And so to get kind of a what feels like a real time look at what's happening on this circuit from a really like behind the scenes and incredibly like highly produced as far as the camera work and the editing and the interviews, um, it, it, is, it has been a real like joy because it's felt like fresh sports to me. And that's the one thing we don't have. Like, yeah, I, I, really, point. I really have not gotten really very much into any of the classic games that have been on. I've watched a couple of ducks games that I've seen on both football and basketball, uh, the Rose bowl replay, uh, and, and a couple basketball games, but, um, you know, you know, you know how those go. And I think that part of the allure or one of the biggest lures of, of, uh, live sports and daily sports, uh, is, is that it's, it's the the daily theater and drama that you don't know what's going to happen and, and you don't you you don't know how it's going to end and yeah. and so um you know it, it's great to go watch a game that you know ends in a win for your team but you, you also know what that's like so to kind of dive into this already pre-canned package content that i don't really know what happens and is also high production value i really like it so i think if you're a sports fan uh, and you haven't really ever paid much attention to the f1 circuit this could be something to dive into now and then additionally uh, it hasn't aired yet, but I'm really excited for the uh, Michael Jordan uh, yes. Chicago Bulls documentary, The Last Dance, that's going to begin too. airing on Sunday. And so they, they moved it up. It was initially going to coincide with the NBA Finals this year. It's going to be uh, five Sundays in a row, two hours each Sunday, so parts one and two this Sunday. And uh, by all accounts, people who have seen it and people who have uh, interviewed Jordan and the filmmakers – uh, it was a really emotional thing to put together. I guess he had to uh, ask for breaks and leave the room a couple times because it was uh, it was so emotional for him to talk about. I think we're going to be see a side of him um, that that people kind of know exists, but never was able to put footage to. Uh, as far as some of the kind of uh, the ruthlessness of him as a teammate uh, and what he demanded of other people, uh, that that has been you know you've heard many murmurs and stories about, but nece- haven't necessarily had the footage. Uh, to, to see yourself, where I think we're going to get a lot of that. I don't know that it's going to change people's opinions on him um, for the positive or the negative, or maybe a little bit of both. But um, I, I remember fondly, it's a, it was a nostalgic time for me because I just remember they were kind of the first super team on, on my radar, that that Bulls team, that last dance team. Um, I, I wasn't, uh, you know, I think I, I guess I would have been 11 at the time. So there were probably super teams before that during my lifetime. But that was the one I the first one I was acutely aware of. Uh, I can't wait for this. It's going to be awesome. And Richard Deitch had some cool behind-the-scenes stuff on The Athletic that I haven't read yet, and I really want to read. Um, so that's all good. I'm going to end this podcast. We've gone on way too long. But I'm going <clears> to <throat> – mainly I've gone on way too long. But <laughs> <coughs> um, And this on a positive note. I'm, I was just scrolling through Twitter uh, 10 minutes ago or whatever, and – 
breaking news here that I'm seeing that the PGA Tour is going to try to restart on June 11th at the Colonial. So, okay, I'll take it. Sign sure. me up. I'll, I'll take that. Yeah, it's like I six mean, weeks, something like that. Month, two months, two months. I'll look forward to that. And like you, I think that is the one sport that will play the best with no fans. Um, and I also think it's the safest in terms of the health uh, aspects because not only are they socially distant for the most part to begin with, but they all fly around on private jets anyway. So <laughs> true. That that helps, and you know it really does. So um, I'm hopeful that that happens. I'm going to look for some positive signs coming out of 1600 Pennsylvania and elsewhere. I'm going to hope for the best. I hope you and your wife and your friends and family stay healthy. I hope everybody out there stays healthy. I want everybody to get through this mentally, physically. Um, and, and, you know, one thing that we didn't talk about, and we can save this for two weeks ago, is the impact of this whole thing on, on children. And obviously, as a dad of two kids, I'm becoming more and more concerned sure. about all of this and just not being in school and all of that. But be extra nice to the children out there, everybody, as much as you can. They're, they're going through as tough a time as we are, and I think in some ways really tougher, and they just can't articulate it. So let, let's just be nice to everybody, be as kind as we can to everybody, and, and help each other out the best we can. And be there for each other, because this is a, it's a physical health time, but it's a mental health time as well to be sure. So everybody stay safe and sane out there, and uh, let's reconvene in two weeks, shall we? We shall. We'll have the NFL draft to talk about then. All right, A real cool. sporting event coming up. When is that? Next Thursday. A week from this Thursday. A week from this Thursday. They're actually going to do We are it. nine days away. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to look forward to that then. I honestly hadn't been paying much attention. They, yeah, they have. Uh, they, I mean, I know we're trying to sign off here, but they have had. Uh, they've had IT teams go into every coach and GM's home. The good, the commissioner as well. They've they've got it set up from his pad in Westchester, New York, and so uh, it's 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 kind of going to be like a fantasy football draft if you've ever played that. I know that you're not big on fantasy sports, but many of our listeners yeah, probably be have. That's going to be cool, and and it's going to so, be. The only live sports event of any kind we've had in a long time. So I'm in a long time, yeah. And I guess uh, ES, ESPN and NFL Network are joining forces for their coverage to put fewer fewer people at risk right. and to to make the production smaller. So they're going to do it all based out of Bristol, um, where ESPN's facilities are, and uh, they're going to combine their forces on that. That would be cool. All right, sleep well, Ryan. Sleep well, everybody. Uh, good night, everybody. Sleep tight. Sleep's tight. Stay safe. Good night.